0: Alrighty, folks, welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I am Sarah. I'm Jane. You know, we said last week that we recorded the last episode yesterday, but we did. (laughs) It's only, it's the Thursday, or it's the Wednesday before this episode comes out. It's a full week before, and we recorded the last episode on the Tuesday, so I'd ask you how you are, (laughs) Jane, (laughs) I don't know how much has changed. We pulled it together. Unless um, you were holding a secret from me.
1: No, you know everything that's going on with me.
0: All right. How about you? I literally just finished my video game oh. while you were cleaning your room. So that felt really good. <laughs> I finally finished the first Kingdom Hearts game. I only have about six left. Ooh. And they all that took me two months. So maybe I'll be done by this time next year. <laughs> maybe, Maybe. Maybe. You never know. You know, that I felt feel pretty good to finish a video game. It's always a good feeling, except every single video game, when you finish the game, the like end credits are like 10 minutes. And you're like, please just let this be over. And you can't get <laughs> them. And I understand that they want to give credit to all the amazing yeah. people that worked on this game and all their incredible hard work. But oh, my God, it's so <laughs> annoying. It's, it's the last thing you want to deal with. And Kingdom Hearts has these... Crazy long cutscenes. It's like half of it's a movie, and because it's kind of for kids, it's like really slow and so corny. And you're just like, Mm -hmm. oh my god. So by the ending, I was like, all right, skip. I see where we're going with this. Mm -hmm. It was like ten minutes of me watching essentially a movie, and I was like, show me the credits. Take me back to the home screen. Come on, let's let's start the next one. Here we go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you can't and you can't escape it.
1: I feel like that. I feel like the only thing I can relate to that is occasionally i would play mario kart at friends houses and like you have to wait forever through the like winner's ceremony at the end of the oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: very similar it's like uh yeah and when you play mario kart a lot a lot of times in a row by the end you're like please i don't need this i know i won (laughs) yeah (laughs) i know what my character's little dance is gonna be who would you play as in mario kart (sighs) oh
1: I mean, it's cliche, but I would play as Peach a lot. Um,
0: Oh, I would always play as Daisy. Oh, I love Daisy. Love Daisy.
1: Any Um, Mario game I play where
0: you choose your character, I'm always Daisy.
1: I liked Toadette. She was
0: cute. (laughs) She is cute. Did you ever play Mario Party? I don't think so. Love Mario Party. In Mario Party 8... No, that's what I have now. No, now I have Super Mario Party. Mario Party 8, which was out for the Wii toadette would do this like really weird song and dance and he picked her <laughs> and it like scared me so i don't know why but now i'm like a little afraid of toadette <laughs> and toad is just like toad's a bit of a bitch i'm gonna say it <laughs> like he sucks <laughs> he's always like eh, and he's messing around with the board and like nobody likes him you know but he acts like he's the favorite yeah i don't know it bugs me i don't like his attitude i don't like his <laughs> One time when I was in, like, sixth grade, me and my friend wrote a song about how much everybody hates Toad. <laughs> because he sucks! I don't know enough about him.
1: He seemed fine in Mario Kart. Oh,
0: well. <laughs> when you play a lot of Mario games.
1: No, he literally
0: has never done anything wrong. I just find him irritating. Sorry, Toad. No, that's fine. I say as I sip my wine, mm. I'm not really Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I'm being so shady towards this animated Mario character, but I don't know either. Like but no, I like it. Feels like a good thing to be doing.
1: He's he's a fictional character. He's his feelings aren't being yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah. You or, won't. We don't need to worry anybody. about him. Yeah, we're not hurting anybody. Okay. Uh, so, do you want to tell me about some rocks? <laughs> this is where we are in our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> We've run out of things to talk about. We're tell like tell me about some rocks. Ooh. We're like, all right, you just you just tell me about some rocks. We have Indian food coming. Oh, I'm excited, which is jazzy. Yeah, I haven't had like a meal today, and it's seven eighteen p.m. <laughs> yes, I had a burger, so I technically had a meal. You've had like ra- random times today. You've been like, I'm making food, and I'm like, really? But if that's how you want to. I had meal, cereal at like
1: noon, and yeah. then I had. It <laughs> a pretzel early in the afternoon and then i had like 4 p.m ramen <laughs> <laughs> that's, you it's, know i'm a healthy eater every
0: 20 some year old eats <laughs> it sounds like i'm in college but well when you're on a break from work <laughs> and you're just like left to your own devices it really shows you how little you know about how to survive in the, in the world <laughs> all right today jane's sinuses hurt oh and was i so was bad. like oh like i have some spicy mustard you can eat the spicy mustard but for the life of me i could not think of one thing <laughs> that people eat that you put spicy mustard on. i was just like
1: a uh, uh, by like, itself you should have eaten it with the pretzel you i was just gonna the say the i should have gotten a, a
0: non-salt and vin- not salt and
1: vinegar ew a non-cinnamon sugar pretzel
0: yeah and had the spicy and mustard had that. Mustard. but it was crazy i could not think of one food that we had that jane could eat like a turkey sandwich people would put mustard on but you don't eat turkey no oh my god it was crazy i was like there i have nothing i have nothing to offer you <laughs>
1: sarah was very good to me she even gave me a head massage i did it was very and it was very helpful. i was worried about you it's so pain i mean people hit me up if you have frequent sinus infections i get them about once a year and it's I thought I was through with it because I had two mornings in a row of sinus pain and then I was done and normally it lasts like a week, but a couple days went by and then this morning it would like, like the second I open my eyes even a little, even if it's not like I'm t- time to get up, it's like the second I'm slightly conscious, it's like suddenly I feel like I've been stabbed in the face with like in my, in the cheek my, and it's always the same side. It's always my left cheek. I just feel like there's like daggers inside of my skull. <sighs> that sounds really painful yeah it sucks um and i don't really know what to do about it i take well rub some essential oils on your face tonight all
0: right
1: well i rub um what's that stuff called is it in here yeah i noticed the other day that you had it
0: what are you looking for (laughs) birds bees
1: no it's that that little blue jar the oh uh vapor rub vapor rub i put vapor rub like (laughs) all over Um, And I neti pot as much as I can, but, like, I hate the feeling of neti potting. Yeah, it sucks. It makes me feel like I'm drowning and I literally cry every time. Um, I will fill a bowl with boiling water and then, like, bend over it with a towel so I can breathe in the steam.
0: Yeah, I, like, didn't want to ridicule you, but, like, whenever you do that, you, like... (laughs) move so slowly to like situate yourself with the bulb Dow <laughs> and I'm like You're letting all the heat escape but I didn't want to yell at you because I knew you already didn't feel good but you were I'm moved- going
1: as fast as I can. I have the same concerns as you I know
0: I was like does she need my help? Like you were like <laughs> acting like oh this is fine and I was like the heat's getting out the steam's dwindling down. Do it over <laughs> the stove like
1: I just That makes me nervous.
0: No, I've been told what you should do is you should boil a potato what okay no listen listen (laughs) (laughs) listen i just gave you a bunch of potatoes take this right okay you boil a bunch of potatoes and then you put them on a plate and then once you're situated you get a towel and you open the potato and that way it's like all the heat trapped inside the potato
1: (laughs) breathing in the potato steam
0: well it's still steam and then you get a potato (laughs) so it's a healthy remedy and a snack so she, can you tell me about rocks? Oh yeah, <laughs> you rock. No, we'll get there <laughs> We'll get started talking about our rock structures, end, which I've never been to, and you haven't either, right? I haven't,
1: but it's on my bucket list. I same. I really want to go someday, and now I've... I, after doing this research, I have a specific day I want to go. Oh. <laughs> Although it's probably really crowded then, but. So Stonehenge is in southern England and it is comprised of roughly 100 massive upright stones. It's 100 stones? About, yeah.
0: I didn't know that. Uh,
1: Placed in a circular layout.
0: Which, yeah, it does sound like a lot.
1: But I guess if you count... it
0: never looks like that many.
1: Well, there's... there's the one the big ones that are on the outside and then there's another little stone circle on the inside and then there's like a stone in the center and i'm sure there's a lot of little stones on the ground Mm -hmm. that aren't as visible from the pictures
0: you look at right that makes sense
1: it's a very popular tourist destination about one million people visit stonehenge every year oh and that number Really, like, started in 1986 and remained that way. Like, in 1986, it went up because UNESCO, which is a branch of the United Nations, which is the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, Mm -hmm. they made it a uh, UNESCO World Heritage Site, Mm -hmm. which I think it just essentially means that it's being
0: protected for yeah it's pretty, it's protected by the UN is what yeah. it means I have a list of all the UNESCO World Heritage Sites I've been yeah. to they're really cool yeah yeah but in
1: 1986 it was made uh, a UNESCO World Heritage Site and so because of that the tourism really was boosted then and since 1986 it's pretty much been one, a million people a year mm-hmm. every year go to visit there and it's not just tourists like a lot of archaeologists go a lot of geologists go to study it because mm-hmm. there's a lot of mystery around
0: this yeah. particular
1: thing and like get ready for how old it is because i was not prepared
0: Ooh, i'm excited yeah can they tell how old the rocks are that's how they know how old it is or? yes okay
1: a majority of scholars believe that it was most likely some sort of burial ground but they don't know exactly what sort of purpose it would have served other than having bodies there and marking that mm-hmm could have had a variety of other purposes that we just can't really know about because, again, it's so old
0: right. that there's just
1: no written documents to read about what, read about was like, what it yeah. was what was done at that site. Right. And the biggest mystery is how could a civilization without modern technology or, get this, even the wheel right. have produced such a large monument, especially considering that some of the stones from the inner ring have been traced to the Priscelli Hills in Wales, which is 200 miles away.
0: That's crazy.
1: They, people are baffled at how they could have possibly gotten there. That's so yeah. interesting. Archaeologists believe that it was constructed in several stages, but the first one occurred 5,000 or more years ago.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Like, B.C. Yeah. Three. Th- that's like 3,000 thousand bc is what we're talking about right now
0: that's crazy yeah that's so cool
1: the first stage of construction was done by neolithic britons who used primitive tools probably made from deer antlers to dig a large massive circular ditch and bank or henge on salisbury plain which is where it is which is literally just a large ring that was dug in the ground the first beginnings of the construction of it didn't involve stones i don't believe it was just a circular ring that was done which a henge just means a circular structure or monument oh made of yeah and there were these a circle of aubrey holes they're called which are literally holes that are dug in the ground so you can stick timber posts in them oh these were all along the inside of the circle that was dug and I think there were se- there were smaller stones that you could explain how they got there. They were probably done there. We there were, might have been more structure in it that have not lasted to this day. But we know that that was done right. first. Mm-hmm. Several hundred years later, Stonehenge's builders hoisted a estimated. 80 non-indigenous bluestones, 43 of which remain today, into a standing position and placed them into either a horseshoe or a circular formation. Now, those bluestones are the stones that came from Wales, 200 miles away. Wow. And there were probably 80 of them, which is a crazy amount. Yeah. And so they were building upon what had been previously done with the digging. The third phase happened around 2000 B.C., where sarsen standstones where sarsen sandstone slabs were arranged into an outer crescent or ring so there's really three three main rings. phases yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well there's really two rings but two rings but three
0: phases. two rings of, of stones building. and then there's yeah, kind of yeah. like a
1: circular structure dug around the whole thing and these sarsen stones were assembled into the iconic three-piece structures that we really identify with stonehenge mm-hmm. that are called trilithons mm-hmm. trilithons 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 sounds more sure sounds better to me but i could be wrong and they stand at the center of stonehenge as well so those go all around and then there's like a couple in the middle okay 50 of the sarsen stones are now visible on the site but there may have been much more when they were when it was first constructed oh and the sarsen st- stones are huge
0: yeah and they don't know we like tons
1: Like, 40 tons or more (gasps) each. That's crazy. But they're not the ones that confuse people as much because they came from closer locations, which, to me... but still
0: the ability to lift them and transport them? Yeah. Well, the
1: thing that I don't get is everyone was like, well, of course they got those sarsen stones from the quarry that's 25 miles away. That's much easier than bringing the other ones from 200 miles away. I'm like, okay, but 40 tons from 25 miles away... Sounds just as hard to me as four ton stones from 200 miles away. Right. You know? Yeah. Like one's a longer distance, but one's much heavier. Right. But yeah, like I said, the sarsen stones were likely from local quarries that were 25 miles north of Stonehenge and could have been moved with ropes and sledges. Some could have even been found in the immediate area. Okay. And the smaller blue stones, on the other hand, have been traced, as I said before to the Priscelli hills in wales which were 200 miles away and these stones weighed up to four tons each and this is what scientists literally can't figure out what tools or engineering could have possibly been used to transport those one theory is that the builders used tree trunks to roll the boulders onto rafts and floated them along the welsh coast and then up the river avon towards the salisbury plain so it did most of the work for them
0: but yeah. I feel like that would sink. I, yeah. I don't understand the math of that. Like, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I don't know a lot about math or engineering or physics, but it just, it doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah.
1: That they put it in the water and <laughs> floated it there. Like, right. No, a four-ton boulder well, wouldn't float. Well, I don't float. know about
0: the density of wood versus the weight hmm. of rocks, you know? Like, I don't know yeah. which one holds up better in the water. That's true. You know.
1: I mean, I Yeah. I wonder, like, how? If, I don't know. I don't know the science of wood. I was about to be like asking science questions about density and wood and right. We if don't know more this. wood would
0: help or no, less. No, we wood. are not the people to no. ask.
1: No, <laughs> we're not scientists. We're not. There's a more recent hypothesis that they could have been brought. <laughs> this just sounds really funny to me. <laughs> they put the boulders in super sized wicker baskets, <laughs> which could slide on the ground easier, and they had oxen pull those. Oh, the poor ox. And then the other similar theory is that they put them on a bunch of planks and ball bearings and then had a team of ox pull that as well. But that just sounds so close to the wheel to me.
0: Yeah. Like you,
1: the whole point of this is that the wheel hasn't been invented yet. But you're telling me people figured out rolling.
0: Yeah, they probably <laughs> did. That makes sense. You, They had to learn from somewhere. Yeah. Because they had to learn that things roll before they were like, we could get it to roll at a fixed point.
1: Mm. You know? That's true. So... There is one theory that this actually sounds kind of cool to me that people didn't bring the stones from Wales, but that nature did. Oh. Which at first I was like, there's no way. But there are these things that exist called glacial erratics that geologists pointed out in the 70s could maybe be what the Stonehenge stones are. And glacial erratics are literally stones that exist in a place and then an ice age occurs. Oh. And they get trapped in ice, and then as the ice age ends, the it glaciers melts, break yeah. apart and move, and yeah. the stone moves with it. And then when oh. all the snow and ice melts, it's now in its new location.
0: That and makes sense.
1: Yeah. So in the 1970s, geologists suggested that it was possible that an ice age could have exist could have happened mm-hmm. in that time in like, Moved what do we say, stone. 3000 BC to 2000 BC. Right. Like, there could have that could have happened there and that could have moved the stones from Wales to Southern England. But right, archaeologists are pr- kind of skeptical of this theory mostly because it was such a precise number of stones mm-hmm. and such a
0: uniformity to them i guess right and also that like they've never found any other of these types of stones in that area exactly like if there were more then where are they right what do we know about them like they used all of them like yeah you're telling me you you
1: got the precise number mountain it was like 80 and 50 like right those are such good like exact numbers which there are other stone structures in that area so i feel like people could say oh they're nearby but i feel like the amount of work that archaeologists and geologists have put into this and to carbon dating and studying structures in england they would know oh those rocks also came from the same place right and that wouldn't be an argument right you know so who built stonehenge According to the 12th century writer Geoffrey of Monmouth, oh our old friend, this guy. <laughs> um, whose tale of King Arthur and the mythical account of English history were considered factual well into the Middle Ages, Stonehenge is the work of the wizard Marlin. We talked about this already in our episode about Arthurian legend, yeah. which that seems like so long ago like now. It ago. It hasn't even been a year. Well, we recorded that around Easter, right? Yeah. So that was in, what, March or April? So that's April of last coming year. up. Yeah, it's coming up. But that's crazy. It feels like ages It really does. Is. So you can listen to that episode for the full story of this. But specifically... I'll find the episode number. Yeah. The shortened version of how Merlin made Stonehenge is that... Um, In the mid-5th century, hundreds of British nobles were slaughtered by the Saxons and buried in Salisbury Plain, which is where Stonehenge is, and hoping to erect a memorial to his fallen subjects, King Aureolus Ambrosius sent an army to Ireland to retrieve a stone circle known as the Giant's Ring, which ancient giants had built from magical African bluestones. The soldiers successfully defeated the Irish but failed to move the stones, so Merlin used his sorcery to bring them across the sea and arrange them into a grave. Legend has it that Ambrosius and his brother Uther, who is King Arthur's father, are buried there as well. This was thought to be true for many
0: years. A long time. A
1: long time, they really thought. Oh, yeah, Merlin did that. It's episode
0: eight that we talked about Arthurian legend.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So check out episode eight for me geeking out about Merlin. Years later, historians realized that it That couldn't really be true, which I still consider it my headcanon. But... That it happened or... That Merlin built Stonehenge. Oh, Um, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. All
1: right. But historians realize that the real-life figures that Monmouth was using to base his stories off of, they didn't exist until hundreds of years after Stonehenge was built. So Mm -hmm. Merlin really couldn't have, unfortunately. But again, my headcanon is that he did... In the 17th century, archaeologist John Aubrey, who the Aubrey Holes that I mentioned earlier are named after, claimed that it was the work of Celtic high priests known as the Druids. Because of this, even to this day, people who identify as modern Druids continue to gather there for the summer solstice. Oh. Solstice.
0: That's so cool. So now
1: I want to go there for the summer solstice, but I'm sure it's packed. I'm sure it's insane.
0: That still sounds really, really cool.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a fun... I, I wonder if there's like a, like a festival a or ritual, anything. Yeah. But also
0: I wonder if like
1: druidism or anything is considered like a sacred religion and you have to take it super seriously and if you're just like a tourist who's there for a good time, people are like looking at you. I'll look it up. I don't know. But it sounds like a cool thing to do. However, radiocarbon dating in the mid-20th century found that Stonehenge existed a thousand years before the Celts lived in that area. So it couldn't have been that. It couldn't have been the Celts or the Druids. And considering how many years that this whole thing was in construction, it very likely was worked on by multiple groups. I thought I had said this already, but based on the dating of the different areas of construction, the building of this structure lasted 1,500 years. Whoa! Which let's think about that. America has existed for a little less than less than 300, like 220 something or something like no,
0: 240. 244 years. So,
1: 244 years. Even if we were extremely generous and rounded that up to 300, that's one-fifth of the time that they were building Stonehenge. So, this... must have been something that was very culturally important to the people that were living there. They put 1,500 years into building it, which is why it's so odd that we can't figure out what that cultural importance was. As I said before, the first stage was built by Neolithic agrarians. Some have suggested that European immigrants could have worked on it, but others disagree and say that native Britons were completing their ancestors' work. Mm -hmm. And... The whole process lasted 1500 years, which is insane.
0: Wow, that's nuts.
1: So, what is Stonehenge for? It's definitely a burial site. They found human remains on the site in multiple locations, but it may also have been a ceremonial site, a religious pilgrimage destination, a final resting place for royalty, a memorial, a way to honor ancestors on and on in the 19 19- do they know
0: who's buried there like do they know who not is? precisely okay
1: in the 1960s astronomer gerald hawkins suggested that it could have been an astronomical calendar mm. as in um, different points in the structure corresponded to different astrological phenomena such as solstices equinoxes and eclipses mm. however historical critics don't believe that the builders would have had the knowledge necessary to figure out astrological stuff like that right they think they didn't have the ability to predict when eclipses would come there just wasn't enough scientific information for them to be able to build a massive structure dedicated to marking that yeah
0: that makes sense more recently
1: in a, a study of human remains that were unearthed near stonehenge or maybe even in stonehenge they keep mentioning things that were dug up from stonehenge but i feel like it seems like it's a pretty intact patch of ground like i feel like people aren't digging in it considering how many tourists are there all the time They're probably digging around it. Yeah. yeah but uh anyway so they were examining some human remains from stonehenge and they noticed that many of them had signs of illness or injury so they speculated that stonehenge was thought to be a place you could go to heal and that perhaps bluestones were thought to have curative powers okay and like these bluestones that came from so far away were like people thought they could heal you, so you would go there to be healed. And then uh, when it wouldn't work, you would die and be buried there.
0: Oh, yikes. That's scary.
1: I know that's kinda sad though.
0: Yeah, it's sad. But it's also a cool idea.
1: Yeah. Cool theory. Just bring a doctor with you. Don't just be like, oh, well, I'll go to the magic stone,
0: it's fine. Yeah, bring a doctor <laughs> and do an x ray. I'm like, <laughs> Freaking William McKinley. Oh, oh, oh,
1: that was so frustrating.
0: So frustrating. So let's
1: get into some fun
0: facts. Ooh, I love fun facts. Yeah. In
1: 1620, George Villiers, uh, who was the first Duke of Buckingham, Ooh. dug a large hole in the center of Stonehenge because he believed there would be buried treasure there.
0: <laughs> All right, fair, fair, for
1: fair. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I can't fault him. I can't
0: fault him for that. <laughs> I'm going to start digging around random places and being like, this looks like a place you would hide a treasure. <laughs> And I don't think people would fault me for that. I mean,
1: if it was a very historically important place, but again, it was the 1600s. Like, you can't, I don't think people were preserving historical sites back then. History was still happening, you know? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Which it still is every day. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Stonehenge shares its UNESCO site listing with Avebury, which is another henge that is only 17 miles away. And it's even older than Stonehenge and larger, but it's less famous. I I looked it up. I think the reason why it's less famous is because it's just a bunch of standing stones. There's no structures. There's no trilithons.
0: Oh, yeah. It's just
1: a large circle of stones.
0: That's so creepy. So it's still
1: really cool that it exists, but there's less of a how could you have done that factor. Right. You know? Right. Whereas not only am I confused about how they got the stones there, but how did they get them like up on top of each other? Right. Like, and the engineering for that didn't exist. Right. Even today, you'd have to use like pulleys and things. You're
0: right. It doesn't make any sense.
1: Okay. So in recent years, Stonehenge has been restored quite a bit. They've made a lot of like little updates that I think from the naked eye, you probably wouldn't notice, but... They've set some of the stones in concrete to prevent them from collapsing. Oh, that's nice. Self yeah, care. yeah, and I'm sure they've cleaned. They like maintain the grass and things like that. Like I'm sure, I'm sure. there's a maintenance and things like that.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't think they've been letting the grass grow for five thousand years. <laughs> you don't know what I mean?
1: Also, there are actually more henges that have been found recently because oh. of Stonehenge. Because there's been there was so much tourism mm-hmm. to Stonehenge that it's. Provided a lot of money for um archaeologists, and also a lot of tourists will just like, oh, let's go to England and do a dig, and so, like, <laughs> <laughs> by <laughs> so we Stonehenge, we dig in yeah. So uh, because of the excavations that have been done, because of all the money Stonehenge Stonehenge makes for tourism, right? They've found a bunch more. That's cool. Yeah. So those are some fun facts. Let's talk about the conspiracies real quick. Ooh, my so favorite. So yeah, there are two theories.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that could potentially explain things. The first one is our favorite, Aliens.
0: Love, 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 love. Now,
1: some of the biggest stones I said are up to 50 tons and because it's so old we have literally no idea how they could have possibly moved them so far. Mm -hmm. The time that it was built, the wheel literally hadn't been invented yet and it might have been possible but it doesn't to roll them on large rocks but it doesn't explain how anything could have been lifted so in 1968 this guy named eric khan wrote this book called chariots of the gods question mark which Mm. argues that many ancient megastructures stonehenge the pyramids and the easter island statues were all built using knowledge and technology given to humans by aliens
0: i love this theory
1: yes so that is a theory there's really not any evidence behind it, but people are like, "Oh yeah, aliens must have helped." Because Absolutely, how? Because how else? It's so
0: heavy. It's so heavy. Sherlock Holmes is the one that said, "When you eliminate the impossible, everything left, no matter how improbable, must be the truth."
1: Um. So you think it was aliens? Yeah. Is that what you're
0: I yes. I, I think, think aliens, aliens
1: is more likely than what uh, the next theory is. Oh. The next theory is that. <laughs> There used to be this race of giants on Earth called the Nephilim.
0: Oh, now this is a new information. Yeah,
1: it's a biblical creature because this creature was wiped out by Noah's flood. Oh. But according to this legend, I guess you could say, there used to be giants on Earth and they were so large and they were strong enough that they could have done it. They could have moved the stones and made
0: Stonehenge. Now that's interesting.
1: Now, interestingly there is a depiction of stonehenge found in a copy of a medieval history text since the oldest written record of stonehenge
0: okay
1: uh but it come and it comes from the 1100s in this history history text called brute Mm -hmm. and in it there is a depiction of a giant shown helping merlin construct the monument so it kind of you know combines the two things
0: that's interesting. In a fun way. But there, mm. again,
1: like the aliens, there's no evidence. I think aliens is more likely than giants.
0: I think it was aliens.
1: But maybe it was giant I aliens.
0: aliens, quite frankly, I think aliens built Stonehenge in the pyramids. <gasps> I really do. Um, I don't know about the pyramids. I feel like... Oh, we're going to cover it. I'll convince you. Okay. <laughs> I will. I'll convince you.
1: I mean, we all know that the Black Knight satellite's up there, so... Great. Great. <laughs> Maybe that's where they went.
0: Exactly. They're just checking out, waiting for us to react, waiting for us to figure it out. Like, oh, it was you. They're probably frustrated. They're like, how these people don't believe (laughs) that that we exist, these fools. (laughs) That's what I think.
1: (laughs) I guess we are. Fools. Well, I mean, aliens for sure exist. It's just like whether or not they've been to Earth Mm -hmm. is the what thing you got to convince me. Right. You know? Right but yeah there's really no evidence for aliens but also there's no evidence really for anything else so no one really knows anything for sure the druids are kind of acting like it was them and like you know live your life have fun that festival that summer solstice thing sounds fun so good for you although technically you came after stonehenge but Still, you're having fun.
0: Yeah. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy, Enjoy your yourself. Festival. Enjoy your party. Enjoy
1: your party. <laughs>
0: is that everything?
1: That is everything. I guess it was a bit of a shorter segment, but... It was still 35 minutes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you're ready for Reddit? Yeah. Okay. I thought this was um, a good question on Reddit, considering how we've been the last few days. This is from Explain to Me Like I'm 5. Ooh. Um, we haven't the... been to
1: Reddit in a while.
0: We haven't. And the question is, when you're sick... Why does your appetite often go away?
1: Ooh. Which is something
0: I've been dealing with because Jane and I actually tonight, like, we were, we were just eating just now. And normally I devour my whole meal when mm-hmm. we get Indian food because I love Indian food. And I ate less than half of it. And now I feel, like, very full. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, like, totally lost my appetite. And this happens because of something called attrition. And attrition essentially is, like, the opposite of nutrition. Oh. Like, nutrition is, like, putting nutrients in your body. And attrition is trying to get them out.
1: I guess because your body is trying to get rid of a virus.
0: Yeah. So when you have a bacterial infection, your body pumps out different hormones to fight it. And one of these um, lowers your glucose level um, because glucose is what bacteria eats. And when your glucose level is low... Um, that's literally your body trying to starve a bacteria out, Mm. and that makes you less hungry.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. So, you would want to limit your intake of glucose when you're sick, Mm. um, because that way you'd be, like, feeding the bacteria.
1: I have had a couple people tell me that even when you're sick and you don't have an appetite, you should force yourself to eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. Mm Mm-hmm. Because your body needs that, even if it's telling you it doesn't want it.
0: Right. Someone else also said this was like not a for sure thing, but they said that they also think of sympathicus slash parasympaticus, um, which is the fight or flight mechanism, which shifts your energy consumption from your complex mental processes and digestive system towards your muscles and other tissue, which needs the energy more, as is the case with um, inflammatory like reactions um, and infections or other type of diseases Mm -hmm. that are similar that have to deal with inflamed organs so the organisms can deal with the threat more effectively um whereas the parasympathic system is the exact opposite it slows your organism down and activates your digestive system so you can refuel gain energy so when you're sick it's literally that your body is putting all of its energy into focusing on your muscles and healing your body so that, like, it, l- it doesn't remember that, like, you would need- you have to eat. Yeah. Because it's just not putting its attention there <coughs> the um, That's really all that I have to tell no, you. No, that's
1: fun. That's what Reddit, like, I feel like used to be. Yeah. I just, just, like, a fun answer to a fact. You know what I've been wondering?
0: Yeah. I just wanted to give you a little fun. No, I like that. Yeah
1: you were telling me that that does explain some things
0: especially because we're in like a sick season right now i feel like a lot of people are sick i feel like
1: you and i have just been trading off days yeah one of us isn't sick the other one is or we both are
0: yeah exactly can't wait to be
1: healthy again someday
0: same one day one day i'll feel good one day we'll be okay but until then i'm just gonna warn you that this is gonna be really really aggravating (laughs) (sighs) like it's gonna make you really angry we're just gonna jump right into it. Okay, I'm, um, I'm prepared. I'll start with a fun little trivia question. Do you know which presidents are on Mount Rushmore? Oh goodness, um Lincoln, mm-hmm. Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. Um, you got the one I always forget. I always forget Roosevelt. Uh, Washington.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, there's one more. Yes, there is. And I feel like this was the one. This one is the one I always forget. Um. Is it, like, John Adams or something? No. Is it a founding father? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson? Yes. Oh, okay. Good. You got a little quiz right. That's going to be the only fun part about this. Okay, great. So, um, as PBS writes... The creation of Mount Rushmore is a story of struggle and, to some, desecration. Mm-hmm. As you may or may not know, Mount Rushmore is located in the Black Hills of South Dakota. The Black Hills stretch across the western, across western South Dakota, northeast Wyoming, and southeast Montana. The Black Hills are sacred lands to the Lakota Sioux, northern Cheyenne, and Omaha, and other smaller indigenous groups as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. The Black Hills are considered sacred because in indigenous culture, um, a Black Hill is a container that would be used to carry spiritual tools. So they consider the mountains a container for spiritual needs. That like the whole mountain is a container. Um, This is a specific interpretation for the Sioux people. I don't know if this holds true for other nations. Yeah. But I do know that they are considered sacred across many nations. In 1851, the American government forced several tribes to officially recognize lands and identified territories, um, which was a problem because they weren't like, there weren't official borders ever before. It was just like honored. It was just honored amongst nations. Like, oh, this is our area. Yeah. But the govern the American government forced like these nations to say, like, no, this is our land. In in the treaty of eighteen sixty eight, the US government promised the Sioux territory, um, including the Black Hills, quote, in perpetuity. But that was short lived. <laughs> I read one article written by a member of the Minkongju Nation, which is a sub-nation of the Lakota Sioux. Um, it's also known as the Nation of the Seven Council Fires. That really broke my heart, because this nation was not recognized in that treaty, um, and therefore mm. did not receive any land in the Black Hills. <gasps> um, so they like didn't receive any piece of their sacred land, which is really sad. There are a lot of subdivisions of the Sioux people. Yeah um but of course that only lasted until gold was found in the mountains and prospectors began arriving in the black hills uh, in the 1870s so it literally lasted like four years that's so annoying mm-hmm. in 1872 general custer who i want to be very clear we hate <laughs> like i feel like american history is still like general custer was a war hero no, yeah, no no He was a terrible person, an absolutely terrible person, Um, led a group of gold mining experts, theologists and botanists into the Black Hill. Traces of gold were found in the streams. Um, So, of course, the U.S. government sent people to renegotiate the treaty. But because three quarters of the male population had to agree to the treaty, they failed to come to an agreement. At his second presidential inauguration in 1873, Ulysses S. Grant reflected the attitudes of many whites when he said he favored a humane course to bring Native Americans, quote, under the benign influences of education and civilization. Oh my It is God. either this or war of extermination. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not joking. <sighs> he said this at his inaugural address. In 1874, Congress declared treaties would no longer be used. They were just like, forget it. We're canceling all the treaties, (sighs) which is awful. Which invited more than 25,000 gold seekers to travel to the Black Hills, effectively claiming the land for themselves. Uh, The last gold mine was not shut down in the Black Hills until, until 2005. By then, about 500 billion ounces or $9 trillion worth of gold was extracted. Uh, I thought you
1: were going to say like 19 something. So the second you said 2000, I was like, no,
0: no, no. No, it's terrible. After General Custer arrived in the Black Hills in 1872, he kind of stayed there and tensions rose between General Custer, the gold miners and the native populations. In 1876, um, the tensions came to a head when the Lakota Sioux and the Cheyenne led by Crazy Horse and Sitting Bull led an attack on General Custer and his forces when they tried to get them to move reservations they were like this can't be your reservation anymore your reservation is going to be over here and they said no and they there was a battle this battle is known as the battle of little Bighorn. i remember learning about Mm -hmm. this in american history um general custer was killed during this battle which outraged many americans i definitely remember learning this and being like and it was so sad that general custer died and like with like there's a part of the battle known as custer's last stand and like you can go there's custer lake custer hill there's some place in dakota named after him yeah which makes him sound like this war hero but like he was a truly terrible person he killed so many native people and was responsible for the dislocation of so many nations and like it's it's really sad but one interesting cool fact about this battle is that Mm -hmm. an arapaho woman named pretty nose was a female war chief that participated in this battle nice and she lived to be over a hundred and her grandson fought in the korean war Aww. and she like lived to see her grandson come home from the korean Aww.
1: war Isn't that sweet
0: um, this battle was the first in a series of skirmishes and massacres that ended with the massacre at Wounded Knee in 1890. Although some refer to this as the Battle of Wounded Knee, it was really a domestic massacre of several hundred Lakota people, half of whom were women and children. The army and government, however, really sold this to the American public as a battle that, like, as, as a casualty of war. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until many years later that people found out how many unarmed people had been killed. Like, they had literally no idea. Mm. They thought it was just like, oh, they fought with an army, you know. But no, it was a massacre. Um, They killed a lot of civilians and unarmed men. In 1888, North and South Dakota were admitted to the Union. um, And because of this, the Sioux were forced onto reservations in order to become U.S. citizens. They were not considered U.S. citizens unless they lived on a reservation. Which is so messed up. Those factors drove the Native Nations to leave the Black Hills with the knowledge that if they returned, they'd likely be killed.
1: That's just... uh. Uh. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's terrible. Mount Rushmore was named by New York lawyer lawyer Charles E. Rushmore, who traveled to the Black Hills in 1884. He asked a local man for the name of the mountain, but it had no name because the area was just known as the Black Hills Mm -hmm. um, because it had been Native lands for so long. Charles Rushmore decided that he was just going to claim the mountain as under his name. So from then on, it was called Rushmore Peak. He was like, well, I'm going to make it mine with a complete disregard for the sacred lands and the sacred name. And yeah, he's just like, "Nope, my mountain. And they called it Mount Rushmore. In the early 1920s, state historian... So this is like 40 years later, almost. 30 years after the Battle of Wounded Mm Ding, State historian Doanne Robinson wanted to boost tourism to the Black Hills. So he thought it would be a good idea to carve history heroes of the West into the side of the mountain. Um, He originally wanted to carve Red Cloud, who was a Sioux chief, um, into the side of the mountain, but that didn't follow through. I couldn't find out why, but I think part of it was because the Sioux didn't want... White men to carve one of their ancestors into a mountain for tourism,
1: yeah, especially
0: in the land that they were not allowed to own.
1: Yeah. Also, I feel like we need to just be done. Like, I we don't need anybody
0: else in Mount. Rushmore. Well, no, this like, is like before Mount Rushmore was Mount Rushmore. Oh, yeah, like this was I his see. original idea. I thought you meant in addition to. No, no, he w- that was his first idea. Okay. but then Robinson contacted Gutzon Borglum. Um, an American sculptor who was at the time, uh, get this, working on a carving of Robert E. Lee into Uh. the face of Stone Mountain in Georgia. Borglum was actually forced to abandon that project. And he's the one that suggested George Washington and Abraham Lincoln as subjects. Mm -hmm. And then he later added Thomas Jefferson and Theodore Roosevelt to the list. In 1925, Borglum identified Mount Rushmore as his desired sculpting site. Native Americans and environmentalists voiced their opposition, but Robinson, Rapid City Mayor John Boland, Senator Peter Norbeck, and other notable figures worked tirelessly to raise the money to complete the project, and President Calvin Coolidge traveled to the Black Hills in 1927, and there he was convinced to deliver the official dedication speech at Mount Rushmore on August 10, 1927. So nobody cared what the Native Americans had to say. Um, <sighs> carving Mount Rushmore required a lot of dangerous work. It took 400 workers, and they moved around 450,000 tons of rocks. But surprisingly, nobody died.
1: Yeah, that which like, like considering how much dynamite they used, they
0: used a lot of dynamite, and no one died. Which uh, it's actually kind of impressive. Um, they used lift-domite. good safety. Good safety. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Lifting Get it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> on july 4th 1930 <laughs> i'm just skipping right over it a dedication ceremony was held for the head of george washington he was finished first workers found after this dedication ceremony workers found the stone on the right of washington's head to be too weak so originally like it was supposed to go the other way <laughs> um so jefferson's head had to be moved to the left Um, Jefferson's head was dedicated in August 1936 President FDR did attend the ceremony Lincoln's head was dedicated in September 1937 and Theodore Roosevelt's head was dedicated in July 1939 Borglum died in March 1941 ahead of the final ceremony in October of that year so he left his son to complete the finishing details we're gonna go back to some sad stuff now Uh, okay the native people have an issue with mount rushmore for three reasons one it was built on the land the government stole from them yeah duh two the black hills are sacred ground as we have mentioned and three the monument celebrates european settlers who killed native americans and appropriated their lands yeah like first of all thank god andrew jackson isn't on there but also like the others were not better (laughs) Yeah, I especially I, Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah, I was reading one tweet the other day that was like we love Lincoln
1: generally as a country and of course it, it's wonderful that he, you know, abolished slavery, but he was not he didn't treat the Native Americans very well and he didn't really do anything to help the Lakota Sioux people, so it's not they don't so
0: even though we think of like, well, at least Lincoln's a good guy, like they don't like seeing his face there. Right none of these presidents did anything to help these nations at all to counter the white faces of rushmore in 1939 sioux chief henry standing bear inv- invited sculptor this is a really polish name Korshak jewel's oh nice joel kowski Jolkowski, Oh. um yeah who brief who worked briefly at rushmore to carve a memorial to the sioux nation in the black hills probably because he knew that borglum was having trouble with finances so personally bought a mountaintop oh. with a granite ridge and financed the entire project privately instead of publicly through the american government which mm. is how mount rushmore was Um, done the statue envisioned as a freestanding sculpture of the great Sioux chief crazy horse um, was was planned to be much larger than any of the rushmore figures korchak died in 18 in 1982 but his family continued to work on this undertaking and his face was completed and dedicated in 1998 but that means it's still not done like they literally just finished his face and it took 60 years Some people still take issue with even this sculpture of Crazy Horse because it still required, like, desecration of sacred land. And it's also, like, you're fighting the white people with what the white people did. You know? Yeah. Does that make them better than you? There's a lot of gray area there. In the early 1920s, the Sioux filed a complaint with the Indian Claims Commission alleging that the United States had illegally taken the land that had been designated to them. The claim entered the Supreme Court in 1962 and took nearly 20 years to settle. It is, to this day, the longest court case in U.S. history. In February of 1973, some 200 Sioux people occupied Wounded Knee to protest the lack of movement um, that the U.S. government was giving to the petition regarding Mm -hmm. tribal lands. Good for them. Um, This also was very shortly after a book was published in 1970 about the massacre at Wounded Knee. That was really the first, like biography of what happened there like non-fiction book and that really showed people like this was not a casualty of war like this was a massacre and many people were infuriated um this occupation was led by the american indian movement also known as aim um and they had occupied several native lands before including alcatraz um in protest the people were armed and would shoot at anything within rifle firing range. Um, they demanded the U.S. Senate launch an investigation into the Bureau of Indian Affairs and all Sioux reservations in South Dakota and that the Senate Foreign Relations Committee hold hearings on the broken treaties. This occupation lasted 71 days. Two, sh- two Sioux men were shot to death by federal agents. <clears throat> They surrendered on May 8th after federal officials promised to investigate the complaints. And then on June 20th, 1980, the Supreme Court ruled that the United States had violated the treaty. Um, And in in that proceeding, the Supreme Court said, quote, A more ripe and rank case of dishonorable dealings will never in all probability be found in our history. Jeez. They argued that they could not give back the land, however... Um, because it is occupied by U.S. citizens and it includes the National Monument of Mount Rushmore. So they were like,
1: I mean, don't just
0: place anybody,
1: I guess, because like that's the lesson we should have learned. But te- like, can we maybe just like let them rename things or give them legal ownership? Yeah,
0: no, it's like, but it's so messed up that they were like, oh, but we can't get it back because we put Mount Rushmore there. Like, are that's you kidding? A reason, yeah. They didn't have permission to put Mount Rushmore there. Yeah. It makes me so mad. The government set aside $102 million in, compensa- in compensation, which continues to grow and is now past worth $1 billion, but the Sioux have never collected this money. Um, and they, don't, they don't have any plans to, as far as I know. The tribes do not wish to collect the money because the land was never for sale, and they yeah. don't want to equivocate the value of such sacred land with a price. They don't want to put a price on something that means so much to them in their culture yeah and in their religion like that's just like it's just wrong the sioux tribes have always maintained this is a quote um the sioux tribes have always maintained that the confiscation was illegal and the tribes must have some of their ancestral lands returned to them and they've maintained that position since 1877 said mario gonzalez who was a general counselor for the Oglala sioux, tri- sioux tribe um, and he devo- he's devoted much of his career to the issue. In August 2009, President Obama expressed interest in settling the Black Hills land claim dispute. He did not want to force the Sioux to take money to settle the dispute. He, he agreed that that was not the answer. President Obama signed a bill allowing agencies to submit paperwork that would allow Native American tribes to participate and in influence decisions that would affect tribal life. Mm-hmm. So even if they were not did not have official representation in the government they would still be part of the consideration for laws that would affect their land yeah without having like representative democracy if that makes sense in 2012 u.n special reporter james Ananya yeah conducted a 12-day tour of native american lands following this tour he recommended the return of the black hills to the sioux like the u.n was like you should give it back um, but to this day the dispute is still unresolved. Um, however, this is a little bit of a I'm gonna end on a high note, I oh, guess. Okay, if there, if there is one. In March 2012, an area known as Payslaw, which is considered the heart of the Black Hills and therefore the heart of the sacred land, was purchased by four tribes. Um, in two thousand fifteen they began reintroducing buffalo into the land. Um, to try to get it back to its previous state. Mm -hmm. This land is looked after, like I said, by four separate tribes. In 2016, it was placed into trust status with the help of the Secretary of Interior so that it could be protected and no longer purchased by anybody else should that tribe cease, should any of the tribes cease to exist. Mm -hmm. Like, it would always be the property of Native nations. Yeah. So, they were able to claim and now have ownership over the most sacred part of the land but there's still like a really long way to go to in order for them to have like true claim over the land that is theirs it's just so frustrating that they have to do that right because it's like the US is like oh but we live here it's like I I I I Oh, my gosh. It's so... Did you live here first, though? No. But it's, like, they're they're complaining about something when, like, that's literally what we did to them. I don't know. Reading this whole thing just made me, so, like, it made me so angry. The lack of consideration yeah. that throughout American history we have had for Native people is so... It's so disgraceful. Like, it's it's t- terrible. Yeah. And that's true in so many other countries, too. Like... Australians treatment of the indigenous people there is not great you know like that's so true and it's just Mm -hmm. it's so awful to see what colonialism did to these native nations like it's heart it's heartbreaking yeah and like it just makes you so furious, and like, in the, so many articles talk about Mount Rushmore being like the heart of America, and like yeah. the pride of democracy, a shrine to free. One place calls it a shrine of freedom, but it's like, no, so many people were massacred on those lands to mine gold, and like, it's so, it's really sad. It's just really, really sad. It is very sad. It's a really, it's a really sad story. Um, so that's why it's important that we remember who lived on the lands before us. And, like, who, yes. who, like what people suffered.
1: Yeah. And with, like, a presidential election coming up, like, don't be using the phrase, like, who should we put on Mount Rushmore next? Like, right. we're done. We're done putting stuff on there because we've, we've heard enough people. Wait, we've
0: desecrated enough of their land. Yeah. Like, it, it shouldn't even be there in the first place. Oh, it's so sad. Mm-hmm. It's so, so sad. It is. So... That's everything about that. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. If you like what you're hearing, you can donate to us on Patreon at patreon.comslash YKWIBW, or you can donate to us on anchor directly through the link in our bio. Or you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes. All those things are awesome sauce. And finally, if you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us at I've Been Wondering Podcast at gmail.com and we'd love to put it on our show. Jane, do you want to know something cool? What's cool? Next week's our 50th episode. No way! Yeah! So when we did 25 episodes, we picked our own topics. (gasps) We did? Yeah.
1: You don't remember that?
0: (laughs) I did Titanic. You did Amelia Earhart. Oh, uh-huh. do you have any memories? No, I, I okay. remember. I remember that
1: episode. I just
0: didn't remember that that was the reason why we did that. I also don't remember choosing that for myself. Yeah, you chose it for yourself. So for fifty, should we do it again? Sure. Surprise each other. Okay. Okay. So next week's topics are going to be a bit of a surprise. Ooh. Ooh. Alrighty. Thank you so much for listening. This is, you know, what I've been wondering.